Welcome to Lamb Talks, the official podcast of Lambda Kappa Sigma. I'm Sarah Kaboyan, and I'm a community pharmacist, Lambda Kappa Sigma sister, and a lamb for life. And I'm Justine Dixon. I'm an ambulatory care pharmacist, Lambda Kappa Sigma sister, and a lamb for life. Our mission is to elevate our sisters in pharmacy by connecting them with our esteemed alumni network. Tune into each episode to meet our new guests, stay connected with your fellow sisters, and learn something new about the world of pharmacy. Well, well, hey there, Sarah. Hi, Justine. What is going on? I'm not really sure, Justine. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm great, Justine. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I know. I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. good. Oh, good. Just hanging in there. Yeah. I feel like I haven't haven't left my my home in quite a while, which is not true, but generically true. Yeah. It's nice to see people's faces here no, and there. I, I love when we get to have these times together. Sister bonding. <laughs> have you been able, have you done anything successfully with um, like any of your friends on virtually anything like any happy hours? I've got to work happy half hour tomorrow, which I questioned how quickly we were drinking our BYOB on our virtual happy hour since it's only a half an hour, but have you been able to like play any games or do anything with friends virtually? Nothing super informal like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of my things have been guided discussions with different Mm -hmm. groups I'm in. Like my church group Mm -hmm. has had some discussions since we've been celebrating during the Lenten season. Mm -hmm. And I hopped on a couple LKS, Alpha Chapter meeting things. Nice. Yeah. I did. I have downloaded House Party which is a cool app. We'll have to download it afterwards for you, Sarah. And you can play Heads Up on it, or you can play Trivia with a friend, or you can do it with groups. And you can also play like a drawing game. It's like Pictionary. Mm-hmm. There's another another game on there called Chips and Guac, but I don't know what that is because I've only played with one other person. And you have to do it with more than two people. So, and I've also seen that you can do like Virtual Cards Against Humanity, and another app that my friend had me download called Marco Polo. It's like a, a video walkie-talkie where you can leave video messages and you can talk in live little blurps if you are both there in at the same time. Or you can just leave a little message. And it's, it's just cute. It's, yes, you could do that in iMessage as well, but I don't know. It's fun. Sometimes certain apps have better functioning than just yeah. doing- I message. Oh, I did try to um do a little FaceTime babysitting. My cousin oh. has a couple young children, and I wanted to FaceTime them. Mm-hmm. So I talked to them for a little bit. That's it nice. was sweet. I heard of people who are now doing dates on Zoom during the quarantine. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I hate that because I know there are well, I mean, I guess depending on how significant your relationship is, I'm sure it is hard to be separated from your significant other. No, I'm talking first dates. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. Like on dating apps. Do oh, like you mean on Bumble or Tinder? Yeah. Or that and then. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. I mean, I guess it's, it takes out the nervousness. Hey, you don't have to wear pants at all. <laughs> 
You're funny. So you only have to like get gussied up from, you know, the waist up. The waist up. You don't even have yeah. to bother with pants or, or fancy shoes or you don't have to worry about height or anything. It's great. Well, I mean, I guess not at first. Right. But some people have really have a complex about height. I know. But what if, you read, what if you read tall and you're sitting? <laughs> you read tall. I would just slump in my and chair. In person. Mm. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, gosh, you're a lot taller or shorter than I thought you were. Well, I mean, but does that, what does that have to do with other personality? What does that mean for them as a lifelong partner? I would argue not much, but yeah. Yeah. you hmm. never know. Things are changing. It'll be interesting to see if that continues after said quarantine. Are people going to still do Zoom meetups beforehand? Or do we think that we're just going to go back to doing like coffee dates and you know, first time, um, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of weird. I feel like I'd almost rather, well, I guess you can't really know and to tell someone until you're in person, but I guess the Zoom date is cheaper. And mm-hmm. by cheaper, I mean, you're not like wasting going somewhere to get coffee just to learn there's a dud. Yeah. I know. You're not wasting your time. Yeah. Or like getting there. Getting there, wasting your money, like Zoom. Yeah. And you can always just end your, end your visit. And it's oh, you can. so That's awkward. True. You could be like, bye. Yeah. And you can maybe add in some personality. You could be, I don't know how to put a virtual backdrop in. But oh, you could yeah. Put um, you could. Backdrop. I don't think mine works with that. I think I need I to. I haven't tried it. Oh, you could do a reaction. Like, I'm, do you see me waving to you? Just, you know, oh, like video yeah. chat if anyone has there ever wanted to go. Or I could give you a thumbs up. Yeah, I could give you a thumbs up. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that continues. But anyways, it's time for O-Tilts. What is something that you learned recently? We'll say recently. Recently. Just today. Yeah, recently. I was off today, so I, I didn't really put myself in a lot of positions to be learning. But I've recently learned that I really should be being more aware and cognizant of my cash flow and personal finances. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I kind of take the out of sight, out of mind approach at the moment, which I don't recommend anyone do. And I'm sure many of you don't do that. I'm sure many of you are much better than I am. But recently I've realized I should really start kind of owning, looking at a budget and learning more about my spending habits and assessing them head on. So that's something that I've kind of been gearing myself and preparing myself to do. So I've been following this Instagram account I learned about. It's called Mrs. Dow Jones. The woman's name is Haley Sachs. She's a New Yorker and she's been kind of teaching about finances with like a fun millennial meme pop culture twist. And I find that to be engaging enough. And I think I'm getting there to really tackle my finances. Nice. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, that's definitely something that I have struggled with in the past. Um, and st- I mean, like, it sounds like I've conquered it. Uh, I have not uh, at all. I feel <laughs> that as a pharmacist, I just, it's something that I, I just, I don't speak that language and I have a really hard time with words any financial words. I just don't, it doesn't compute in my head. So 
Mm. I've struggled a little bit when it came to like buying my house or any, pretty much anything. Talk finance. I, I don't tune you out. I just don't get it. And I have a really hard time. I need really basics. So it sounds like probably between the two of us, and I'm sure other people would approve as well. Maybe we need to do like have a, a financial podcast, somebody else coming and talking to us about finances maybe. Oh, I would love that. Like a Lamb Talks My finance mom. crossover. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd love that. That'd be so helpful. Yeah. I think especially in the day and age of, of loans and of, um, you know, when you get out of school and you fingers crossed, you get a, well, a good paying job. That's, you know, why a lot of people go to school is to make sure that they've got a, a secure job that will pay well for them or their family and set them up kind of for life. You know, you get out of school, you've got all this debt and you want to buy a house or you want to start paying off your loans. You, and what do you do with all this money and, you know, without blowing it all too quickly. So mm-hmm. it's, I think it's, it's really important uh, knowing how much to save for retirement and everything and stuff that I don't have the answers to, but I'm sure somebody could help us. Yeah. I definitely think I need like a coach of some sort. And I mean, my dad is super helpful in that, but sometimes it's nice to have other resources as well in terms of kind of guiding you and reminding you of all the things that you need to have money for versus, oh, I have money. What can I do with it? Right. Yeah. Well, for me, this past week has been an adventure. I recently bought a condo and my condo came with a free pet. Ooh, do share. Um, Well, it wasn't a pet that I really wanted, but there was this all of a sudden on my third floor deck, there was a raccoon that appeared in my window on my deck. And the raccoon came back and went up into my roof every day. And I realized this was probably an issue that needed to get resolved. So I started getting really nervous and trying to figure out if the raccoon can get into the house. And then I started doing, I started doing a lot of research and I learned a lot about raccoons and one that they can do a lot of damage to your house. Mm. And two, that you have to look to see Uh, you know, if it's a male or a female, the only way to do that, or if they've had babies is to look and see if there's nipples. Yes. I said nipples on this podcast. (laughs) So I tried and what (laughs) I said, elevating women in pharmacy, (laughs) elevating women, raccoons in pharmacy. So I, the next time I saw her or him, I wasn't sure I was looking for nipples and I couldn't find any, I wasn't sure. And you what? weren't, obviously you weren't close enough to really be looking like you were looking through the glass. I was looking through the glass, but she was like up in the glass. I felt like I was at a zoo where I was like, we were touching hand to paw essentially with wow. a glass in between. Like that's how close we were. <sighs> I observed her. She was very persistent about getting back in every night. She could come out. I kind of observed her. She'd come out about two or three and then eventually go back up. She'd drink a lot of water that was on the deck. Uh, just rainwater. And then, so eventually I had some, a guy come and poke his head up there and he's like, Oh, I think we woke her up. And I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, it's about one o'clock. So she's usually sleeping by now. I know her schedule. Thank you. And I guess eventually she, she bolted out of the roof. And then as the guys were up there, they found four little babies. So (laughs) it was a, she, 
Her name is Nico. That's my name for her from Pocahontas. And so I had already watched this on YouTube, but the way that they get rid of a, of a, a raccoon is they don't just take the mom and the babies and take them away. Cause where else are they going to go? Like, where are they going to go? So what they do is they, the mom, they take the mom out, which they did, or she went out on her own accord. And then they seal up the area that she was in. And then they take the babies out and they put them in a box and then they leave the box for the mom to come and find, knock over, take the babies. And then they usually have two different dens. So one den was up in my roof and the other den was somewhere else. And so they come back and they take the baby babies and go to their other den. And then that's it because they can't get back into the roof. So knowing that I watched them do that exact situation, which was really interesting. So they sealed it up and then eventually she came out, tried to get the babies, tried to bring them back into the roof because she thought she could get up there. She found a different way back in the night before that wasn't sealed up. And oh my gosh. Yeah. She was, she was really determined. And then she tried for a long time to try to get back in there with the baby, like in her mouth, trying to get up in there. So it was just really determined, like a determined mom moment that I was actually really proud of her. It was, it was just really kind of remarkable. I was terrified of her when I first saw her and I still think the entire thing was disgusting, but to be able to watch her determination and then her knowing that she was a, a mom of these little baby raccoons and to kind of see her motherly instincts kick in and her finding them. And it's all really, it was all kind of really cool. And then she, she decided she couldn't get back up there. So she went back and grabbed another one from the box and then ran off to the other den. So it was really interesting. Uh, like I said, learned a lot about raccoons over the past week, did a lot of research that hopefully you will ever need. You're a raccoonologist. Um, well, if you've watched Tiger King, I feel like I'm raccoon queen right now. I haven't. Sorry. Okay. That's okay. Many people have, and not some people are disappointed with it. It's, it was okay. I mean, it was fine. It was weird. It was crazy. So raccoon, raccoon queen over here. But if you want to see my videos, you can just add me on Instagram and then, uh, you can, I save them in my, in my, what is that thing? Highlights. Highlights. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Anytime. Teach new about Insta. Yes. New segment. How are your CEs going this year? <laughs> um, I, no. No. I, I have been, actually, I lied. I've been doing my, the live CEs from work more than I usually can because I can sign in. I'm usually in patient care. And so now that I'm home, I'm able to log in and watch the residents CEs live much more than I'm usually able to. So that's been helpful. So I've been learning a lot there. Yeah. How about you? I've done a couple. I have to definitely log into some live CEs as well. Justine and I are both licensed in Massachusetts and Massachusetts has a live CE requirement. So that's why we are discussing that. But I had a solid start. I was hoping to be able to attend to attend a CE seminar. My father is also a pharmacist, so we sometimes go to the Massachusetts Pharmacists Association together. And I'm wondering if they'll, if they'll change CE requirements this year to allow more online ones since there's less in-person available ones, or maybe they'll just make like 
more live webinars. I don't know. I think people are just going to be giving more live webinars. Yeah. Because I think the board was saying, because those do exist, they're not necessarily cutting them out. Yeah. I have to finish my, all my BCACP things because my research is this year. It's been seven years since I got my board. So it's been seven years since <laughs> board certified. Okay. Okay. Titanic. Okay. Old lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh dear. yes so there's a lot more for me to do but I did have a strong start but I think I was hoping to be further along than I am yeah I need to um, I should probably get working on that too what else thank oh, you for the reminder do, yeah you're welcome I have to do the sterile and non-sterile ones or more <laughs> non-sterile because I don't think I'm in sterile compounding technically but that's the worst that's another Massachusetts requirement <laughs> if anyone ever wanted to know <laughs> I wonder what if there are like other states that have different unique ones, like cert, like not certs, like requirements. Oh, I'm sure that there are. I just like, don't know what they are. Maine has. I think Connecticut has a precepting one. Oh, you have to take a precepting. Seat. I kind of like that. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Hmm, that's so. interesting. Cool. Yeah. So, for your specialized one, is it about delivering? am care services or is it specialty kidney and training? they're all different so it's it's like books that you have to do all the board certifications come with books that you purchase and then a bunch of like big ces that you have to do and a bunch of quizzes and they count for ces and they also call, count towards your recertification so you can either do those along the way or you can not do them and then sit for the test again which no thank you Mm, yeah I would like less to tests, not do like, that the better yeah so that's what I'm trying to do I gotta just finish those awesome time yeah so I hope everyone's keeping along let us know if you're doing a CE maybe we could maybe we have like like a book club but a CE club a CE club you mentioned book club all the time and I told you I don't like to read okay well <laughs> but I guess I have to do CEs so, so you and your friends can watch Tiger King and me and my friends can read <laughs> There you go. There you, you can go. either be in group A or group B. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Also, we have a sponsor. Yeah. We do have a sponsor. Who's our sponsor today, Sarah? Our sponsor is Tiffany Vickers. Woo! Woo! Thanks, Tiffany. You're awesome. She is awesome. If you haven't had time to meet Tiffany at convention or hanging around the lovely state of Kentucky, you need to meet Tiffany ASAP. And next time you come to convention, you should seek her out. She is a fabulous person to get to know. She's so sweet. And she even better sponsored her podcast. Mama. And, and she's a better yeah. podcast. <laughs> That's and true. is a past friend council member and she serves on the TLC, the trust. So mm-hmm. a lot of wealth of information there. And she is our sponsor. So we thank her. Yes. Thank you so, so, so much, Tiffany. And if you or any of your sisters, your chapter, your alumni chapter, your dog, cousin, uh, next door neighbors, girlfriends, cousins, goldfish, um, garbage workers, daughters, boyfriend, anybody wants to sponsor the podcast, you just let us know. You send them an email to... Erin over at headquarters and she will hook you up with the information. And we appreciate all sponsors. 
So thank you. Do you hear this wind blowing? I do. It is some crazy storms up in here. It's snowing? It's snowing in Maine. Yeah. Shush your mouth. I'm, I'm not. Oh my gosh. I can't handle snow in April. Yeah. It's too much for me. It's a lot. It's a lot. Goodness. Well, Sarah, remember that time when we were recording Nicole's podcast last time and we were talking about Dr. Pizzino coming on? Yeah, I do. And that she was probably giving birth that time. Well, plot twist. She was. It happened. Congrats. So we have Nicole Pizzino, Dr. Nicole Pizzino, with us joining us very shortly, which is really exciting. Our first faculty member that will be joining us. Obviously, for me, ambulatory care faculty members have had a big impact on my life. I don't know, Sarah, do you remember? Was there a specific faculty member that had a big impact on your life? I had a few and they were all women mm-hmm. and which I mean, it's like, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Um, no. So, I mean, I think one of them who sticks out for me was one of our cardiology therapeutics coordinator instructors. But as time went on, I had a few who really stuck out to me. Yeah. They, I think they can be really impactful and really lead you know, students down fantastic pathways or, or guide people to places that they didn't think that they could achieve or into organizations that they weren't aware of or to into leadership roles that they weren't sure that they could um, be a part, you know, be successful at. And I think faculty members are really important to development of the next wave of young pharmacists in, in the world. So I think we're really excited to have Dr. Pizzino on with us to be able to share some of her wisdom and her unique roles that she has at the school and within her community setting as well. I was so excited when she agreed to be a guest with us because we had heard her at convention a couple years ago and just seeing her online presence of all the different programming that she has developed and partakes in and just her passion is so um, contagious, if you will. Like it makes me love being a pharmacist that much more because it kind of like helps expand and broaden my own horizon of what can be. So I'm excited to learn more about that with her. Yeah. And Dr. Pizzino is a, she is director of community outreach and she is a assistant professor in the department of pharmacy practice at Wilkes. So she'll get to tell us a little bit more about all of the things that she does between her community setting as well as in the school and the many different facets of her role there and all of the different meetings and groups that she's involved in. It's really fascinating. Um, so we're really excited to have her with us. Should we go, should we, well, should we get Dr. Pizzino up in here? Yeah, let's get into it. All let's right. learn from the best. Yes, let's do it. All right, we'll, we'll see you back in just a few minutes. We have our wonderful guest, Dr. Nicole Pizzino. Welcome. Thank you. And congratulations on your second child. <laughs> and I just, I do want to say that I called it, I believe when we were, when we were recording with the other Nicole, I said, oh, next time we're going to be having Nicole Pizzino on, 
I believe she is due for a child. She might even be birthing right now. And I am almost positive that that night you did give birth Justine, or the I, next day. Justine, when we were going to record, I'm like, did you have her baby? And Justine's like, the night we recorded. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we, we sensed it. That's amazing. It was the next day, whatever it was. Yeah, it was in Very proximity. Close. It was March 1st, so. I had birth feels. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> or, or you can thank us because we helped the baby come. <laughs> there you go. Yes, thank you guys. Thank you. I needed those vibes badly. <laughs> well, we're glad, we're glad that everything happened. He is adorable. He's healthy and happy Absolutely. and home. All, all yes. those triple H's. Yeah. I think Sarah, you had a, a very. Oh, I had, question. I um, prepped a question as we got ready for you. And I, I also pulled some former students, AKA past guest Erica Zarfas, because I didn't want to sound ignorant and it sounds like there's a controversial topic about the pronunciation of your school and how you say it and the town it's in so if you could um clear that up for us i think you're the guiding force so you say that but okay i'm from the lehigh valley area and so uh um, doesn't mean anything to us oh we need some geography wilkes university so okay. i call it wilkes university but apparently there are three different ways you can call where the town that it's in so it can be Wilkes Berry, like a, a berry, Wilkes Bar, like a, a bar, <laughs> or Wilkes Bear, like you're running away from an animal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I call it Wilkes Bar. No, Wilkes Bear. Wilkes Bear. I don't even know what I call it right now. Oh, no. Just, just say the whole thing real fast in the sentence. Wilkes University's in Wilkes Bar? <laughs> okay, okay, so, so it's bar. bar. Perfect. Okay, we'll go with it. Sealed. It's on the podcast. It's on Lamb Talks. We're done. So That's it counts. It. It counts. There you go. Anyone listening that knows what it's actually called, don't, I don't, just don't let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really have no idea. So I just go with whatever other people say. Yeah. That's just why we followed tried the lead. to prep and then it got more complicated. <laughs> yeah. We tried. We tried. I had no idea that there were so many different names for it either until I was in the Wilkes University gift shop and it had a shirt that literally said Wilkes Bar, Wilkes Berry, Wilkes there and it had like yeah oh she sent me that to show the controversial topics i was like that's when i knew that there was three different names to call the city that the university i work in is but i very fortunately live in a very easy town to pronounce allentown there you go oh is that near scranton (laughs) so it's not near scranton it's also an hour and a half from scranton i'm pretty sure everything in Pennsylvania is maybe an hour to an hour and a half away from each other. Yeah. From where I am, yes. So I'm an hour and a half from like New York City, from Philadelphia, from most beaches. So I feel like I live in a great spot. Yeah, that's not bad. An hour and a half is pretty, you can manage that, like a day trip or something. So a half day trip if you're feeling wild. Ooh, ooh. There you go. It's true. So tell us a little bit about your you know, when you're not on maternity leave, what your job is at the university? Yes. So while I am working and not on maternity leave, I am, my formal title is Director of Community Outreach and Innovation, which is a really fun title. And basically what that means is I am a community faculty. So I have a practice site at a community pharmacy. It is in a grocery store setting, so I still have a practice site where I am seeing patients, starting up programs, and taking on pharmacy student rotations. 
And then also at the university, I do pretty much when you think of any of the community outreach initiatives and stuff that I'm in charge of. So I do a lot with uh, our local senior centers, the area on aging or the area agency on aging. I work a lot with different schools, high schools and other um, community colleges. I have a nice partnership with the dietitian at my store. And we do a ton of outreach events too with different legislators. We'll do partnership events with them where we're going on doing outreach events. The legislators address the topic, we address the topic and work closely with our community members. And I also do a lot with uh, grant writing to bring in some funding to help support a lot of the programs that we do too. So some of my favorite programs are the ones where we're going out into the community and really giving back to the communities that we live in. Awesome. And then what kind of classes do you teach on campus? So when I'm on campus, the classes I teach are typically the ones that you would think of for community practice. So what I mean by that is I'm in the self-care module. So <laughs> although in our self-care module, we do include glaucoma, which is very much so interesting. Self-care topic. <laughs> I mean, you have to put in the eye drops yourself, I guess. <laughs> That's how I relate it. I'm like, okay, so we have to teach them how to use the eye drops in the community setting. So let's talk about that. Uh, so I do self-care. I do an MTM certificate program. I do the immunization certificate program. I also do an advanced community skills lab. So basically, what can you expect to see in the community setting and how do we, how do we overcome these barriers? And then I also do electives. So I have a community management elective and a diabetes elective. And then I have a research elective where I have and help students identify a research topic. And a lot of times people think of research like, okay, I have to put this drug in a mouse and figure out if it's going to work or not. But that's not the research I do at all. I do more of the qualitative research and talking and interviewing. And uh, sometimes I'll do surveys as well. And I teach students how to do that through an elective. That's awesome. Cool. Amazing. Nicole does, uh, worked in a, a supermarket as well. So it's kind of nice to, to see similar things happening. And I think in, in grocery stores and supermarkets to be able to outreach to, to patients that are in the community where they're getting their food and getting their medications and being able to help them kind of meet them where they are. Yes, exactly. That's one of my favorite things about the setting I'm in. So I actually... As a student pharmacist, actually before even pharmacy school, I started working at a grocery store at the young age of 15. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Incredible. I know. And then during pharmacy school, I worked at a different grocery store. And then the first time I wasn't in a grocery store was during my residency. And then immediately after my residency, I went back to the grocery store setting. So I love the grocery store setting and really being where your community members are. And it's just such a unique opportunity because they're grocery shopping at least every day because who doesn't need milk or eggs every day? <laughs> so I get to see them so frequently, even probably more so than most community pharmacies do. And so it's been really nice and really neat place to meet them where they're at. And where I'm at, there's a dietitian that I work with. So we do a ton of programs together, which is really cool. Is that common to have a dietitian? No, it's the okay. first time that I have one and it's been so fun because we work so well together and we figured out how to overlap and complement our services to really have these really neat patient appointments and good experience because she takes on dietitian, di 
Titanic students. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just learned that word the other day from her. (laughs) You learn something new every day. Every day. Like it's a dietetic. And you always spell dietitian with a T, not a C. They don't like it. So fun fact. Yeah. And ophthalmology is O-P-H-T-H. Ophthalmology. Just in case anybody was curious. (laughs) It's not ophthalmology. Anyway, well, I have a partner with them next. Maybe we'll have like one of those next to our clinic and I can start partnering with them and learn how to say that. Spell ophthalmology. <laughs> I don't know how to say it probably. I work in grocery too. Just throwing there you go. There. Oh, yeah, there you go. It's all groceries. Whee! We love the grocery. And I definitely relate to that experience of seeing our patients every day. And even if they don't need to like see us, they walk by or they say hi. And it's yes. nice. I love it. I love it mm-hmm. so much. Is um, the dietitian is that like their site? Are they always there? No. So she's actually at three different stores. Okay. And so she's always at my, so I'm only at the site three days, two to three days a week, depending on the season of what I'm doing. If it's a teaching block or if it's uh, conferences or what have you. So she's there one to two days a week. I'm there two to three days a week. So we always try and at least overlap when we are there. So Tuesdays are always what we call diabetes Tuesdays. Then we have all of our diabetes programs on Tuesdays together because we both know that we're always there on Tuesdays. And then I'm there Monday, Wednesday, she'll come in like a Wednesday and then, or maybe Friday if I'm not there that week. So we kind of at least try and overlap when we're there because our students do really neat things together. We'll do a lot of complimentary tabling. and po- So we'll do like a diet, diabetes table and then she'll do a low carb build a salad or how to pick a dressing type table right next to it. And so it's been really fun to have those complimentary experiences for our students. Did you always want to teach? I feel like a lot of, I know you were mentioning before when we, before we started recording that you're doing residency interviews and I feel like almost every residency candidate says that they want to do something and then they want to teach. And I really want to just shake them and be like, I promise you 90% of you are going to be changing your mind. (laughs) And then I feel like a lot of faculty members were like, I never saw myself teach. Exactly. They're the ones who were like, I never thought I'd be here. (laughs) So funny. So, okay. I, now if we go way back to young me, I wanted like five years ago, (laughs) you're still young. All about six years ago, (laughs) I wanted to have 50 babies and be a preschool teacher. There you go. (laughs) You're on your way. I'm done. (laughs) So the new me, then me now is like, what the heck were you thinking? Nicole? (laughs) 50 babies and a preschool teacher sounds horrible right now. (laughs) So I got into pharmacy. And so I I didn't actually know that I could teach and do pharmacy and didn't really even realize it when I was in pharmacy school. I didn't really think of my faculty as pharmacists. I don't really know why. I just thought of them as, oh, you're my teacher. And it wasn't until residency, actually. So during my residency interviews, my life goal was working for Wegmans as a pharmacist. (laughs) <laughs> which is where I was a, a an intern for 10 years. And so I literally only wanted to work as a pharmacist for Wegmans. And so during my interviews, even for residency, I was like, I want to learn how to program development and then bring it back to Wegmans so I can do really cool things in that pharmacy. And then during my residency, I taught for the first time in a care lab setting. 
And it was actually those students that inspired me to want to go on and continue teaching. And so I didn't want to teach. <laughs> aside the, from the students taught you. Yeah. Yeah. Brought you to the teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you do your training? I did my residency at University of North Carolina in the in Asheville, so with the Asheville Project and with a lot of the AMCARE sites uh, with Mission and Mayhek, which um, are their health systems down there. That's really cool. You went to the source. Yes. The AMCARE source. Yes, exactly, exactly. And so I remember my first time teaching, most of the students were older than me. And I walked in and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so intimidating. This is not what I was expecting. <laughs> I knew I, knew I was going to get the teaching certificate, but I, for, I wanted it for precepting purposes, not necessarily to, to teach uh, right. in that type of a setting, just because I love being animated, having fun. And when I envisioned a teacher, I envisioned someone that was like, open your book. <laughs> <laughs> Follow along with me. Yeah. Yes. Not that I had all of my teachers were wonderful where I went to pharmacy school. <laughs> they were all wonderful. I loved them all, but it just wasn't what I was expecting it to be and how, yeah. how it now. <laughs> totally understandable. Okay. So we kind of talked about how your time is split a little bit how you're at your practice site a couple times a day depend or a couple times a week depending on your classroom and teaching but then there's a lot more to being a faculty member there's a lot of meetings a lot of office hours justine reminded me there's a lot of chairs or seats you need to sit on like oh. organizations or requirements <laughs> and group, work groups or service and stuff yeah. how's your time split as a big circle pie chart so those are things that if anyone is interested in faculty, something I wish someone had told me is the number of emails you get and the number of meetings that exist. I did not know that there was as many meetings that exist in a faculty person's life that exist. So there's kind of three or four things that you do as faculty. So you do your teaching, you do your service, you do your scholarship, and teaching service scholarship no. i guess your site but your site is kind of your service yeah, so, clinical, right okay so your service can be split up then so you have your service to the university so you sit on a university committee where you're helping to make decisions for the entire university depending on which committee you're on so for example, one of the committees that I'm on currently is Academic Planning Committee, it's called. And what we make decisions on is if a school within the university wants to bring on or start a new program, degree, certificate program, what have you, they have to present everything, including the budget, to us. We provide feedback and then approve it or disprove it. If we approve it, it doesn't just automatically get to become a degree or a program. It then goes on to another committee. So there's a lot of them and there's a whole process to get things approved at a university level that I had no idea or appreciation of. And even still, I struggle with the process sometimes because there's just so many different layers to it. So that's an example of a committee for the university. There's also service to your school, so your 
School of Pharmacy is where I'm in. And so there's committees for that. We have a couple. I've been on student affairs. So basically we're the committee that makes decisions on progression, on admissions, on different handbook things and stuff like that. There's also, of course, your curriculum committees, your strategic planning committees. There's tons for the school that you're in as well. And then there's service to your department. So you have your department as well that you're in. And there's committees for that. And then, of course, as things come up, they're constantly looking for people to help give service to that. There is service to your profession. So I'm a pharmacist, as are most people in pharmacy school <laughs> or that we're talking to. <laughs> so service to your profession would be, okay, what organizations are you involved in? And how are you involved in them? Are you just a member? Or are you um, an advisor? An advisor? Yeah. Oh, yes. Advising. That's the fourth thing that we do is we're actually advisors as well. So yes, advising for organizations and clubs is also something. That uh, sounds like a lot of more emails and, and meetings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I initially had a maternity leave email up. But it was becoming way too much that I just took it down. <laughs> so you're going through your emails all the time now? Even yeah. Maternity leave? If I didn't, I'd probably come back to 900 or a thousand legitimate emails, not just uh like amazon your order came through right <laughs> i have a different email for that right <laughs> so, so so yeah just to kind of at least keep it under control for things that i can put aside i'll just respond quickly with my copy and paste message i'm on maternity i'll get back to you but if it's an acute thing i just quickly respond to it so yes tons and tons and tons of meetings they're starting a nice thing about right now is a lot of them are virtual, which I would say is a benefit because other times there are actually a lot of live meetings, which sometimes to me, um, meetings can be challenging if they're not productive. And so if you've ever done strength finders, one of my top five strengths is achiever. And I hate sitting in meetings where I'm not actively involved in it and making decisions or doing something in it. And I always struggled to understand why I didn't love meetings. And then I did strength finders and I learned if you actually read the achiever chapter, it says, make sure if they go to a meeting, they're actively involved in that meeting or you will lose their attention. I'm like, it makes sense now. So I try and make sure I'm involved in committees where I know that I'll have an actual say in something going on in the meetings. And now that they're virtual, it's made a lot easier because we're getting to the point, I feel like, quicker. And then there's, of course, full faculty meetings where the entire faculty for the entire university gets together. And then there's school of pharmacy meetings, there's department meetings, and then there's all your committee meetings that you have. And that's just under the service umbrella. So, and, so, and then you're still supposed to teach precept uh, and do your diabetes stuff at the supermarket. Yeah. And be a mom, be a wife, work and, out, eat, yeah. drink. Yes. Party. Yes. <laughs> Does that exist, Justine? Do I'm confused. How do you function as a human? Are you a robot? <laughs> so that is. Do you have more time? Like they say Beyonce has 24 hours in a day, but does Dr. You mean now have more? <laughs> How about it? How about it? So it is, it's, 
when people are like, oh my gosh, because that's, that was just the service part. Now we get into academia and what I teach, my teaching requirements. And then I still have appy and ippy requirements as well. And then you have site requirements. And then you have to figure out if you want to have a life outside of that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, I don't think you have time. Uh-huh. You do. You have a life out of it. And the nice thing is, uh, at least I, I would say with academia is, there are times where it is you have to be there at X time and leave at X time, depending on the day. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of flex time in some of the things you do. So when you're designing your lectures, does it have to be at 9 a.m. in your office? Not necessarily. So if I wanted to take Carson to daycare or to school that morning, I can go do that. And then I would just maybe have to either stay a little bit later or maybe work on it after he goes to bed. So there's a little bit more flexibility in my schedule, which is really, really nice. It doesn't sound like there is. <laughs> there's not when there's meetings. Those are pretty yeah, stone. pretty but rigid. Outside of those and those class times, it can be pretty flexible. So diabetes can happen at 10 in the morning or it can happen at six o'clock at night or it can happen via email or it can happen via phone call or it can happen. There's lots of different ways it can happen. And so it's just being flexible as well. So yes, tons of meetings, tons of emails. And that's something I did not anticipate. And that was actually also where one of my biggest struggles came with the transition of resident to faculty was how in the heck do you balance this? And I don't even know if balance is the right word, but integrate, maybe. integrate. Yeah. Integrate. How do you, how does this even work? Yeah. (laughs) How do you have a hundred percent of your, how do you have 40 hours for just meetings and 40 hours for like a job? Exactly. Yeah. So that was actually one of the biggest learning curves and the biggest areas of growth for me. And I'm still adjusting and figuring it out as well. And I think that Mm -hmm. comes with every season of life that there is, but it is totally doable and it's not as bad as I'm probably making it sound right now. <laughs> yeah, and you still like to do it. So yeah. it sounds like there's some good stuff in there. A good testimony to me loving my job is the fact that I live in the Lehigh Valley and I work up in Wilkes Bear, Bar, Ferry. You said bar before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's actually an hour and a half away. Oh my so gosh. So I can do to my job. Uh, my practice site is fortunately only 20 minutes away and that happened. They made that change for me about two or three years into my role as a faculty. So uh, at first I was commuting every day for an hour and a half. Now it's only two to three days, depending on how many days I'm at site that week. Plenty of time for podcast listening, I'm assuming. Oh yes. That's why I was so excited (laughs) when this came out. (laughs) Not enough podcasts to listen on that commute. I'm sure. Yes, exactly. What are some uh, of the ones you listen to? What is? Okay, so I've been really big. I so I know I'm really big into personal development and constantly growing myself and making sure that I'm doing a good job evolving and staying grounded. So I do a lot of personal development podcasts. Actually, I more recently started loving Rachel Hollis because she had that new book come out. Uh, so I've read Girl Wash Your Face and. Oh, I know. Made for More, I think, is her conference. But what was the most recent book that came out? So it's um, Girl Stop Apologizing. Yeah, Girl Stop Apologizing. And then her podcast is Rise. Yeah. Is one of them. And she has Rise together. With Sarah will tell you. <laughs> she does. I know. I know. I, I really like her. I really like Brendan Burchard. I like 
oh gosh, now I'm drawing a blank. I listen to a lot of the audible books too. So, um, oh yeah. Essentialism. <sighs> Have you listened to five second rule by Mel Robbins? Oh, yes. yes. Mm. Yep. That's another really good one. I'll just listen to murder comedians. So if anybody else is interested, (laughs) hit me up. I'm not interested in growing myself at all. (laughs) Well, I did listen to that one that was about the murder of Adderial. Yes. (laughs) And then I started listening to another one where it said, if you continue to listen, you're at risk of like aliens attacking you. Okay. I don't listen to those. Well, and then I just stopped because I was like, oh, I, I don't want aliens. <laughs> I feel like that's like if you don't send this email chain. This yeah, that sounds very bizarre. <laughs> so I hit stop on that podcast and I did not listen to that one anymore when it said stop listening if you want to risk your life. I was like, oh, crap. Oh, my what? So I am not going to get oh my in my gosh, own head. So bizarre. <laughs> and I'll get you another list of the the books and the podcasts I listen to right now, my mom brain is not functioning. Oh, no, it's okay. okay. We just wanted Justine and I are, I've been saying this, Justine and I are like the Rachel Hollis of LKS. So we figured. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I want to put myself on that pedestal because I don't know that pedestal. So, but Sarah, put us there. Rachel wants to give the tools and tactics to those. So that's what we're doing through this podcast. Okay. 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 Yes. Nicole will validate me on this. One hundred percent. So I I had a question, and I'm gonna date myself because when I was in school over ten years ago, I so funny story when I was going uh, like a year before I was going to rotations, I remember trying to figure out for rotations, should I get a Palm Pilot? Or an iPhone because iPhones were like just really coming on the scene. And I was thinking, well, I don't want my phone. I don't want, I was thinking about getting an, a touch, like an iPod touch, actually. I think not an iPhone so that I could look up LexiComp. And if you don't know what a Palm Pilot is, you can just go and Google it and you can make me feel older again. So if that gives you an understanding of like when I went to school, I don't think iPhones, I remember my friend used to play Brick Breaker on his Blackberry, but like phones and technology really weren't like they are now. How as a professor, how as a teacher, do you, is that, is that, I'm assuming it has to be a major issue in school. How do, how do you keep people's attention? Or do you just let it go? Because they're probably also like they they have their, they have their computer in their hand, their phone. It seems a lot of them are taking notes via laptops instead of manually with pen and paper because they don't want to print slides, but you can share more on that. Right. (laughs) This is a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. They, you meet them where they're at. And so they are all on their phones. Uh, I look out and sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone's got a phone in their hands um, or an iPad or a, a laptop. And actually you mentioned Erica Zarfa. She actually had an iPad during class that she would take her notes on. Mm-hmm. Um, you can remember all of them. You know exactly where they sit. You know exactly what they use and exactly how they take their notes. But you meet them where they're at. There's games like Kahoot that I play where they have on their phone and it actually just shows four boxes of colors and they have to pick the color that goes with the answer that's on the screen. 
Mm -hmm. So they already have their phones in their hand. Let's get them using it to answer some questions to engage them. I like to think I'm pretty engaging. I feel like it'd be pretty hard to not pay attention to me. But I think a lot of times people probably think that also. Actually, one quick side note. One of the feedback I got in that first time I ever taught at UNC was, um, it, was it was a lab that I taught from 8 a.m. until 12 or 1 p.m. So it was a very long Oof. lab. Yeah. And a comment that I got on my feedback is she's a lot for 8 a.m. Um, <laughs> so make sure you have your coffee. And I read that comment and I was like, oh my gosh, that's when I realized you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. People are going to want Absolutely. to have that person that maybe is a little bit more on the mellow side or some people are going to want to have someone that's more exciting. And so I think it's important to A, realize you're not going to be everyone in the audience's cup of tea, but how can you meet most of them where they're at? And so by meeting them and seeing the technology they are using, mm-hmm. I'll actually ask them to plug in their computers. We have these team tables. I'll ask them to plug in their computers to the big screen and work on team cases together and do it all together. Because they're going to be on Google Docs anyway. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to be working together on my cases anyway in a team. Why not have them actually do it on a team? team where I can see what they're doing on the big screen. So I'll have them utilize that technology together. And so I really try and bring in the technology to the classroom Mm -hmm. so that they're using it for a meaningful purpose. And so if they ask me a question, like I get questions like, oh, what does bilateral mean? And I'll be like, you have your phone, Google it. (laughs) You're literally on your phone right now. Put it into Google and let me know what it says. (laughs) Uh, Of course, not all questions get that response, but and it's ones. some of them that are kind of silly questions that yeah, are totally yeah, Googleable. Are yeah. yeah. So uh, that's definitely one of the I try and meet them where they're at for sure. Mm-hmm. Realize they're going to have technology at their hands, um, but how can we leverage it to make sure they're doing learning still? And it's definitely hard. And one of the things that we just transitioned to too is something called ExamSoft. I took my exams on paper and pencil. <laughs> Same bubble they, sheet. Yeah, yeah. They are doing it on a computer now because that's what they're doing with the NAPLEX. That's how they're taking their other exams. And so we're really getting them used to using this technology that they have. And is it perfect? Do I have everyone's attention? Is there people Snapchatting? Probably. Sometimes I'll even say, guys, create a Snapchat for me or create a little video for me educating a patient on this. How would you educate someone on this? And let's do it together and we can then show the whole class it. And so I think that's kind of, you're bringing it in and making it fun for them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my philosophy. I, I, I think it's even more challenging, you know, with when you throw in technology when it comes to teaching. But I, I recently went to uh, kind of visit with my friend who was teaching a class and they had those group group desks and the big screen. And I was like, this is so different than when I was in school. And I think they were doing a quiz with ExamSoft. And um, it was just really interesting because he's like, you're going to have to just walk around and people are going to look at you and sh- like show you this green screen that they're done. And yeah. then that way they know, like, and just, just look at them and like shake your head, like, thank you. And, and then that way they can move on to other things. And so that it looks like they're not looking up answers. And so that's what I did. I just kind of wandered, wandered around and looked around looking for anybody looking for a, like a, a head nod that it was okay. It was, it was just very different than, than when I was in school. So very a lot nice. of things have changed over the years. Yeah. And what's even wilder is my, I have two sisters who are in high school and they're using so much technology in high school now. Like they get 
given a a Google Chromebook and everything is on their computer. And when I was in high school, we had the projector that you write on. Oh yeah. 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 So, I mean, (laughs) that's what I was used to. In my grade school, we had chalkboards (laughs) with chalk. Yeah. And you had to go out and dust and bang them together. Yes. Yes. That was a job that I had in grade school. Yeah. And I was so mad when they switched to whiteboards because you couldn't bang them together anymore. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Guys, we're really dating ourselves. Now they get a Chromebook and they get to just do everything there. So when they, when my sisters recently moved to virtual classrooms, not much actually changed. They still have, for them, it's what they're used to. Yeah, I know. I think that's, you know, that's the one benefit of, you know, you know, virtual teaching is that it, it can be done. It could not have been done, you know, years ago, but now it, it's, a, you know, something that we can manage and, and do and continue kind of functioning. So that's really great. Awesome. So you're talking about like your service to your career and service to academia. Justine and I, when we were kind of brainstorming our questions, we were like, wow, she technically has two careers. You have a faculty career and you're a pharmacist. Like you said, like, you're like, I'm still a pharmacist. How do you, I guess, stay current in both? Because the way I was thinking about it is you're obviously focusing on, as you said, integrating new things to help keep your teaching skills up to date. But then as a pharmacist, you still have to know what clinical guidelines are going on. And then for yourself, so that you know how to safely treat patients when you're on the bench or working, and then you have to also convert that to teaching new kids, new students. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot. So I think for me, I strategically identified an area that I'm really interested in. So if you asked me questions on transplant, I would probably sit here with a hundred eyes looking at you like, I need to look that up. I've got no idea. Me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I very much so have my area of focus in community pharmacy. And so a lot of the community pharmacy disease states and a lot of the things that I do, I make sure are, are all very overlap and aligned. So I consider myself having these buckets that I'm most interested in. And I very much so try and stay within those areas when I'm saying yes to things. So I try very hard. This is something that took very long time to learn. And I'm still very bad at it. <laughs> Admittedly, uh, I struggle to say no to things. But I try and make sure when I do say yes, it fits into one of the buckets that I'm aligning my career goals with. So I made sure uh, one of the things that I said during my interview for the job I currently have is I have a vision board for myself. Like, what are my goals and where am I going and what's most important to me? And in those, I have the different areas that I'm most interested in. Community pharmacy, diabetes education are very important to me. So those are two of my buckets. And so ask me questions on that. I am very up to date on those. I have items that get emailed to me daily so I can stay up to date with it. I'm involved in different organizations that are within those areas, including of course, academia is another one where I'm staying up to date. And I stay up to date in those very, very specific areas. And then actually students, they're so much smarter than me a lot of the times. and teach me so much about all those other areas and those gaps. And so as much as I teach them, I learn so much from them as well. So I consider um, it to be a two way for, I learn just as much from them as they're hopefully learning from me, if not more on my end of learning from them. 
And I try and make sure when I am staying up to date and what I am saying yes to and what I am doing at my site at the university and even in my personal life, all align with where my buckets are and what my career goals are. So yes, you'll see a lot of, it sounds like I'm doing a lot, but they all very much so overlap and they all very much so are aligned to one end goal for myself. It's like Venn diagram buckets. Yeah, exactly. Like, they like pour into each other. Yes. Yeah. An end goal of a pool of, um, I don't know. It's like an of, of filling up your, your soul. You're yeah. filling up your soul. Yeah. So it's really important to know uh, what your career goals are and what you're passionate about and identifying that. I know one of the things that either we talked about or I saw is mentors. And so mm-hmm. early on in my career, I identified a mentor. And I actually, as a student pharmacist in my P1 year, walked up to him and said, I want to be you one day. <laughs> so creepy <laughs> what was his response well what was even worse like, who are you did, had had you met before or did you just like know who he was listen if you know me i'm i could be pretty creepy i think is how i say this <laughs> i i really appreciate you for saying that just be like you know if you really know me i am pretty creepy <laughs> i mean i just i yeah <laughs> honest so I actually he had a video of himself counseling diabetes in a community setting and I was like that's what I want to do so I asked him to review I had a portfolio that I had created and I was like can you review it p1 yeah they made us where I went to pharmacy oh okay oh I thought you did it on your own accord I know I thought you were like creeping alone by yourself and like let me like this is my goals my (laughs) here's my vision board and and a binder and here you go I'm extreme not that extreme (laughs) I was gonna be nervous (laughs) once I did create the portfolio I put a lot of time into it okay so quick with that I asked him to review it he reviewed it and he told me it sucked literally his words this sucks um you have spelling errors and he goes it's not even high quality and gave it back to me and I was like oh, I want to be you one day and I wanted to come to your clinic and shadow you. Can I fix this and then come do that? <laughs> so yeah, it was really awkward oh, conversation. Man. And now we have one of the best relationships and I tell him to this day and I joke with him. I'm like, remember when you told me my portfolio sucked? <laughs> Does he remember that? Because sometimes yeah. people don't remember like something that was so impactful to you. He'll say to me, he'll be like, I don't remember that. He goes, but it sounds like something I would do. <laughs> Well, at least he's honest and yeah. consistent. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, he, and what he did is very similar to what I'm doing with a slightly bit of a twist to it. But yes, I had that mentor. I then volunteered and gave up my Fridays just to go to his clinic and learn from him. So I went there every single Friday afternoon from one to five and his clinic was about an hour from campus. I drove there and spent oh, every Friday afternoon with him. For three years. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, identified that mentor early on. And then I had another mentor at the university as well, who was much more focused on community research. And so I wanted to blend their jobs together, which is pretty much how I have what I'm doing now. I blended what they did together and I'm now doing what I'm doing here. How did you know that? Like, did you see what they did or was it something that you knew you wanted to do and then you saw them and you're like, okay, I'm going to take a little piece of you and a little piece of you and make me. Yes, that. Okay. 
So what they were both doing made me really excited. And so I remember I'd go home on my Fridays and I wasn't even sad that it was a Friday afternoon and most of my friends were um, having fun. Partying. Because <laughs> it's a Friday afternoon <laughs> and there's no classes. So it didn't even make me sad that I was missing out on a lot of that. I And I didn't even feel like I was missing out on it because I came home and I was even more excited and I was sharing the impact I was doing. I was sharing the stories I was having. I was doing something that made me really excited. And then the other person that I worked closely with at my pharmacy school was my first time doing research and it was on adherence. And at the time I was like, oh my gosh, this is before adherence calls were sexy guys. This was like a time when we put drugs back and just were like, okay, that's it. Whatever. <laughs> I ran a report at our pharmacy and I was like, oh my gosh, people are late filling their medicines. If we call them and ask them why they're late filling it, maybe they can come pick it up and we can increase script count by making them fill their medications on time. And so I piloted a program where I did that with people with like only on my center because I had to run the report and do all the numbers by hand myself. And as I was calling people and I realized the impact that I was having, I was going home excited to share with my family, the different stories that we had. And I just remember being so excited and so happy with what I was doing that I knew that those were the two things I wanted to do, diabetes and this community research aspect with a different spin to it. And so, yeah, uh, I kind of pieced them together. I was like, I want to be a little bit of her, a little bit of him into Nicole. There you go. <laughs> there you cool. go. That's awesome. So you kind of created your own, your own thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds like a lot of this was you being honest with yourself and kind of not being afraid to, I'm not saying narrow, but it's like you identified your areas and then you expanded on those. Because I feel like a lot of students, and I mean, I think me is kind of still being a new-ish practitioner. I'm almost afraid to like be like, okay, this is my set. And then I can kind of expand out. I'm like, oh, I might still want to do this or I might still want to do that. And that's mm-hmm. almost more limiting than saying, yes, this is what lights me up. Let's run with it. Yes. And it's finding what it is that lights you up. I think that then you're like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So yes, I I encourage it. And it also is a lot of taking initiative because now a lot of times you see passiveness and people will come in and be like, well, I can't do that. And I ask, why can't you do that? And they're like, they won't let me. And I ask if they ask and they don't ask. So if you want something or you want to do something, ask. You're not, the answer is always no if you don't ask. And so I've never needed to say no to a student who wanted to learn something from me because I try and make sure it works. Now, of course, legal things don't, don't do anything illegal. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say you can do anything, but um, for the most part, we want to help and we want to support you. And so I challenge anyone that wants to try something, ask for it. Or if you're not happy with what you're doing on your rotations at your site, at your job, ask to do other things. I had a rotation at a large chain pharmacy and I was like, if I clear this queue, can I go out and do a blood pressure table? And the pharmacist is like, yeah, weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, thank you. So I would clear that cue just so I could They're like, just get away. <laughs> They're like, whatever gets you to stop talking to me right now. So I- stop asking me questions. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> so then I would clear the cue and go to a blood pressure table. But now I go to sites and I do site visits and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? They're like, 
well, they won't let me do a blood pressure table. And I'm like, did you ask? And they go, no, should I ask? Did you suggest to clear the queue first? <laughs> <laughs> and then you can go do your blood pressure table. <laughs> That's great. Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to also kind of poke your, poke your brain? Pick your brain. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's been a long day. Let's poke your brain a little, Nicole. <laughs> As an advisor for LKS, what have you found to be successful when it comes to kind of connecting with your collegiate chapters or chapter and your, the members in the chapter? Yeah. And so I think uh, the most important things that I try and do is be present. Sometimes I will admit it's challenging because I live an hour and a half away. And so when some of the events are late nights or evenings, it's a little bit challenging. One more meeting. It's a little bit more. So trying to just be there and be supportive for them. I have very much so what I would consider um, empowering in the sense of I don't like to give answers, but rather empower the leadership within the organization and within the within the sisterhood to really make those decisions on their own and me just be there to support them. And so uh, as we're getting through either it be like a recruitment season or people are discouraged, always reminding them of what it is that LKS stands for and what it is, why someone would want to join. And I think it's important to connect with the mission, the values and what we stand for and why you joined to begin with and what it means to you. And that should be able to help guide your decisions. And so I try and just be there as a support for them and help them to realize that they can make these decisions on their own. And when I can be present for things, I try really hard to make sure I show my face there to show that I do support them and I am there because I got their back. Awesome. I think it's good to hear because we don't, you know, we haven't had a, I think we've had an advisor on yet. And so I think sometimes, you know, it's good to kind of touch base on that advisor side of, of life as well. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Yeah. It seems sometimes we struggle with like, what do the students really need and what do they really want? And it sounds like it's really just giving them that platform, as you said, to feel empowered that their voices are heard and they can do it. I mean, they can make decisions on their own. Maybe just, they just want to talk it out maybe, but, you know, not giving them the answers, just like in real life, you know, when we precept, you know, we're not giving them the answers when they ask a question, but we're trying to lead them to identifying how to make those decisions on their own so that they can make better decisions in the future and, you know, that's using, you know, their, their brains to kind of put their pieces together and make their own decisions. Exactly. And if you're leading by that example and what it is that the organization you join, it's LKS or it's actually any organization, whether it be APHA, whatever, ASHP, whatever, we're gonna, there's a bajillion out there, whatever it is that you're joining or whatever it is you're involved in, look at that organization, that club, that fraternity, look at what their core values are and what they stand for. And that should be what you represent as well. And so you should be proud of that when you're joining that. And so from a university perspective, uh, I know there's a lot of talks about fraternities and, and everything that's going on in those ends. But if you're representing what your organization stands for, you shouldn't be nervous about that at all because you joined it for the reasons, uh, the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And if your core value is, excellence and integrity and having this strong sisterhood and leadership, those are all things that the university would be proud to to showcase as well. And so as long as you're leading by those examples and by those things that you're proud of and when you're joining an organization, 
we're going to be really excited and also have your back as a university. So it's important to just make sure you're staying aligned with why you joined the organization to begin with and making sure that those reasons you joined and the organization that you joined's uh, core values do align with yourself. And I think that's so important. I say that to everyone during recruitment as well is don't worry about the numbers. You want the right people and the people that represent what you um, stand for. Mm, I think we should just create I feel like that's snippet. like a mic drop. Yeah. Snip <laughs> that and put it for orientation <laughs> and recruitment. Boom. There Boom. you go. Right there. Welcome to Lambda Kappa Sigma. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out for with us for uh, an extended period of time. But we really don't talk. As yeah. the first time I'm not saying, Aw, you're so cute. You're so cute. <laughs> Look at this the smile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're happy to to be able to be an outlet for you. Oh my god, we're that for um, Nicole Helsinger too. So that'll be yeah. this is we're happy to be yeah. that. We're mom mom talk lamb talk mom talk lamb talk mom talk sis talk. We're your adults exactly. <laughs> but we appreciate your time that you've taken tonight. I know your your sleep is precious, so we appreciate the time that you've uh, taken to answer our questions and kind of given us a, a peek into your life. Uh, allowed us to, <laughs> allowing us to poke your brain a little. <laughs> <laughs> I love how my brain gets poked. I know. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Are you coming to Indy this summer? Hopefully. <laughs> we have it. So it depends. We will see, I guess, what's going on and what's happening. True. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yes. now the question is really like, we don't, we're hoping, but yeah. All of my other meetings are getting canceled. Like I've already had PQA canceled, the has been canceled. So yeah, fingers crossed. We'll see. We'll see. All right, <laughs> perfect. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. Appreciate it. Thank you, you too. Bye. And thank you for tuning in to Lamb Talks. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, moments, anything you want to share with us send us an email at lambtalkspodcast at lks.org. And you can also follow the podcast on Instagram. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that at all. Not yet. Maybe follow, one day. You can follow, you can follow Lambda Cap Sigma yes, you can. and get updates about the podcast where there we also will announce when episodes are live, but we also will announce guests ahead of time. Um, we really do encourage everyone to submit questions um, we can, I don't know if people didn't like that we read their names, like we we're happy to keep them anonymous. So if you would like to be anonymous, we certainly can do that. You can recommend guests, you can nominate guests, you can share the podcast with others. Cause you can listen on Anchor, you can listen on Spotify, you can listen on Apple, the podcast, podcast. through Apple I always want to say like iTunes or iMusic, but yeah. make sure to like and subscribe. Oh yeah, like, subscribe, rate five stars, leave us a review. <laughs> you know, you can follow us on Twitter as well. Well, and like I said, both of us on Lambda Twitter our X. If you want to follow each of us individually, yes, yes, you can follow us individually, or you can follow Lambda Kappa Sigma at LKS nineteen thirteen. Uh, you can also follow Lambda Kappa Sigma on Facebook as well. So you can keep up to date with everything that's going on, not only with podcasts, but with everybody else as well. And we will be announcing our next guest soon. So stay tuned for that. 
we feel bad that they've been changing a lot, so we don't want to prematurely announce something. We want to give you guys correct information. We'll just keep you on the edges of your seats. And with that, we'll see you in two shakes of a lamb's tail. (laughs) See you later. Bye. (laughs) 